Well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller Network, Dash Radio, wow. Brian, wow. and Mike. iTunes if you oh want to download Lord. this episode and more episodes of the same thing. Brian. You are on fire today, Mike. My God. Well, we, we are jazzed up. It is now 8.33 in the morning here. Uh, we had just done a early morning interview with uh, international bass reporter David Pick. Uh, who, I, I don't know, it was about 30 minutes in length, dropped yeah. a lot of news nuggets all over us. News he, nuggets. Was dropping, he was dropping bombs everywhere, Mike. That was pretty good. Um, so you'll hear that coming up, and then after that we'll do news around the league and uh, sort of say goodbye and thank you for listening. But uh, yeah, I think, I think David, uh, the biggest thing out of that interview for me was that Milos is not a sure thing to Brooklyn. And no, no. In fact, he, he seemed to think that it was not not a very sure thing at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not heartbroken, but I do think it's it's funny that we've built up Milos to be like this yeah. mega super savior. And now he's probably not. going to. No, I, I don't think anybody really thought of him as a mega super savior. You, I mean, oh, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Brad. <laughs> People, there's so much interest in like our last pod had so much interest uh, that I think it's interesting that. Uh, I think people are sort of looking for hope in different places, and we know the mm. draft is unlikely to bring that much. Free agency is going to be difficult. So, like, there's this mythical third yeah. rail of the, basketball. The new, <laughs> yeah, it's nice that there's, like, the new world is out there that you can that you can pick from. Yeah, instead of looking west, we're looking east, yeah. and we're trying to find our gold that way. And I don't know if the gold's going to be dug up in the ground. We'll see. I think it will, Mike. I get a special feeling about these about these scouts. Um, about this, yeah. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just let the interview play, and then we'll come back and we'll do News Around League. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds really good. All right. This is our interview with uh, David Pick, international basketball reporter. All right. Well, joining us on the news line this morning is uh, he is living in Israel at the moment, David Pick, international basketball insider. Uh, you know, if you're a Nets fan, if you follow on Nets Daily, this is someone you've probably read from a lot already, at least the news and nuggets that he's dripping out of Euro basketball. Uh, David, thank you for joining us on uh, uh, from from inter- international borders. This is really great. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. How are you doing? What is it? Seven seven thirty a.m. in the morning over there. Seven fifty three. I was telling yeah. I was telling wow. Brian. Brian here is, is here well that uh, usually well, I'm not up this early, but I know that's not even that early. But it, <laughs> it's a whole different. Lifestyle right. this early in the well, morning. Right. What's the yeah, weather? What's absolutely. yeah? What, sorry, God. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I mean, um, it's a, it's Independence Day out here, so in middle afternoon, everybody's barbecuing. Um, I can't guarantee that I would have been available at around seven fifty in the morning. So this is much, much better. That's perfect. It, it's Independence Day in Israel. Wow, I'm I am Jewish, and I don't. Yeah, I yeah. did not know that. <laughs> I'm a bad Jew. I feel really bad. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll never forget it because you know I live here, so you you won't forget that. And my wife was born on the fourth of July, so I won't forget being an American on Independence Day. So, you know, I kind of get it from both angles. Is it is a similar thing? Is the celebration like a similar way? Fourth of July is over here. Or what's the what's the difference? I guess. You know what it it, it is. Um, there are a lot of similarities, um, but then again, uh, big differences because cities kind of shut down main roads. Are blocked. Everybody's walking the streets. Um, you know the stores are open uh, till all hours, and then today everything's shut down. You know you can't find even a supermarket. You won't find open. Um, you know fireworks till late at wee hours of the night, and then uh, that was last night. And then today everybody's just kind of taking it easy, barbecuing. Um, the Israel Defense Force, Air Force um, had a um in air show um with all their different uh fire jets and the f-16s and the f-15s wow um and the hercules plane so you know that's pretty uh cool um <laughs> and yeah I mean, it's basically that it's it, it's it's routine it repeats itself a lot every year um so let's let's get into this real quick so we're are have you always lived in israel or how did you become the international basketball expert that you are and how are you overseas how you are 
Uh, well, that's a good question. Expert, I don't know about, but I was born in um, Englewood, New Jersey. All right. And actually, first NBA game was uh, to the New Jersey Nets, then Stefan Marbury team. Mm. And I was very young. And then after that, shortly after that, I moved to Israel. And I've been here for 20 plus years. Um, you know, I have six siblings. I moved here with my parents. My brother lives in L.A. My sister lives in um, Riverdale in New York. So, I'm, you know, I'm going back and forth. Um, you know, I was just in uh, Brooklyn for a game and um, about oh, yeah. a month ago. Who'd yeah, you I see? I saw Brooklyn against New York. Wow. Uh, a cl- it was a, a game Brooklyn won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Porzingas was great, actually. Um, Melo got hot at the end. The Knicks made a run. But it was short lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was great, and um, and you know, just here trying to break as many stories as possible. You know, just trying to get my name out there, like everybody else in the business. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> so, what's your ratio here? You're watching as much NBA as you are Euro basketball, or how do you how do you balance those two? Uh, it's pretty crazy because the games here, especially now the playoffs, um, when it's not Sunday and I get lucky with an, uh, you know, an early evening game, then there's, their broadcast is only between two to five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if I'm up all day, you know, if I wake up in the morning with my son and take him to daycare and then I start work and I go to games here, that means I'm up from around 7am till 5am the oh next Lord. day. Um, yeah. So you just have to pick and choose the better games. Or, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, while I was preparing for this now, I don't watch a ton of uh, overseas basketball. Um, but uh, I'm just like looking through these clips and like trying to like consume as much as possible. And I there's something that I was noticing while just watching these clips, like the way that there'd be people even compile highlights is different in, in European basketball <laughs> leagues. Like there's just a more top down longer distance view of what players are actually doing. And like, like a highlight could be like a good seal, you know, like things like that. So would you say it's just in general, like demonstrably different scouting European players versus American players? Like is just the, the way you go about it inherently different at all? Uh, it's an interesting question. You know, I never heard that before, but (laughs) it's true. It's true. You, You wouldn't see, um, you know, an NBA players clip showing a steal or a deflected pass. Um, they're more mm-hmm. highlight dunks, or or way way from the from the mid half court, you know, beating threes or something like that. Um, it's different in overseas because not everybody is a superstar. Players have to sell something else. They're players who are sole uh, defensive players, you know, or guys who are come in and come in for rebound, or they come in and make uh, a screen or something like that. And and you know, it's just it's a different game to where they sell uh, themselves seems differently. Um, and you'll see a highlight clip of, of a guy who's just pick and roll and he'll pop or he'll just uh, screen and roll or something like that. I mean, it's really different, yeah. but you know, it's interesting because the basketball game in, in, in Europe is, is so different than what you guys know in NBA. And, and a lot of people have to understand that just because someone is good in the, in, in Europe doesn't mean he's balling out in the league and vice versa. You know, I, I remember I put out a tweet a few days ago that Shane Larkin, is drawing significant NBA interest, and he just turned down a million-dollar offer to re-sign with his team. Now, I titled this Star, I think it was Star Point Guard or something like that, and I think people <laughs> in New York and New Jersey were like, yeah. wait, hold on a second, Shane Larkin <laughs> and Star? Okay, yeah. so this guy out here is the superstar. He's the right. second best passer in the EuroLeague behind Milos Teodosic. He's mm-hmm. won multiple games at the buzzer. He's averaging double digits in points. It's just different. you know. I wouldn't say it's easier out here. Mm-hmm. But it's different than what people, you know, know back in the NBA. And I think right. th- I think that's a good segue because so so much interest from Nets fans is about Milos. Uh, the Nets have made such a big show out of going to his games, scouting him. Right. right. Uh, who, They're not even trying to hide it. You yeah. Know, they sit it's an, side it's, front row. It's an interesting thing that they are so public about it. But so who who is Milos? What's his NBA comp? What is he? What's his game like? I mean, just the basic of. Who is he as a basketball player? So if you walk into Milos at a pizza store or <laughs> at a laundry place, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell a difference. All right. This guy is 
just is oxymoron how he has nothing to do with basketball just from first glance. But he's 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 a wizard with the basketball. Like to be honest, I know the Nets um, and the media. You know, we we'd love to link them together. But if I had to if I had to put my money on the table and say that Milos is going to the NBA, I don't think it would be to the Nets because mm. you know knowing Milos, he's you know he's been voted by um, NBA GMs as the best European outside the league, and then. Euroleague GMs placed, you know, they gathered together and made the same vote, but they voted that they would sign Nando Zicolo as their number one recruit. So, mm-hmm. you know, Milos is, he's the best passer in Europe. He has an extremely high basketball IQ. Uh, he's an assassin at the three pointer. You can't leave him open. He's deadly. Um, but he's not a leader. Um, he has trouble with uh, practices. You know, Milos is a guy who doesn't like to put in the work, but when you put him on a basketball court in the game, he'll finish with 18 and 12, and he wouldn't even practice for three days prior. Um, you know, lately he's been having some injection, uh, injections in his, in, his, uh, in his heel. He hasn't been 100%. He's been sitting out practices, and then he comes into a game in the second half because Chester's is struggling, takes over completely, and they win the game. This guy hasn't practiced for three to five days. That's just mm. how Milos shit. Can he do that in the NBA? I don't think so. He can't defend. You can't put him in front of a Westbrook or a John Wall or a Stephen Curry. They demolish him. He can't even <laughs> like. I don't think he's even defending a, a cone. But he's just so brilliant at the offensive end. He does whatever he wants. Every player who plays against him comes in and says, "I'm going to shut him down. I'm going to play tough with him. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go over. I'm going to do it." And it just doesn't work. Like he does whatever he wants. But then again. There's that money time, crunch time factor. Does Milo show up for big games? Because he carries his team throughout the season, and he does it very well. He does it on a high note. He lets everybody know he's the MVP. But in crunch time, he has um, significant issues with delivering. And I don't know what it is. It might be mental. He might not mm. be able to step up late. But even last year in the EuroLeague Final Four, Cheska was up 20. And then Fenerbahce came back. They forced overtime. Nando DiColo took over the game and won it for them. Like when the game was on the line, it's hard for him to commit to his team making big plays. And I don't know why that is. Cheska definitely, you know, they had enough of that. That's why they brought Nando back from the NBA, signed him to a big contract. Uh, he's making more than Milos. I know Milos isn't happy with that. Uh, he wants to go to the NBA and play significant minutes. But I don't know what kind of team is going to give that to him because he doesn't respond well to losing. So can he play for a losing team? I don't think so. There have been some names that have thrown out there as potential contenders to sign him. You know, the Nets and the Jazz, Brooklyn, uh, I mean, Brooklyn and Denver. I don't see him going to the Spurs. Another name I heard is Minnesota Timberwolves. If Ricky Rubio goes, he can be he can be hysterically, um, hysterically fun to watch with Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins and Zach Levine playing pick and roll with Cat. It'd be it'd be bananas out there. So, but, you know. He can get that thirty mil because I don't, I don't really know the, the the NBA salary cap. There's like a second level or second degree that he can get that kind of contract. Um, but he'll just have to sacrifice playing because he can re-sign in Europe, and make three mil, two to three mil, and then in the NBA it can be five to six mil a season. That's a significant difference. But you're slicing down his minutes, if not fifty percent, then a lot more. So what is the like percent chance that he just stays in in the internationally? Like what what is I mean, in, in general, like, is that is that a thing that is happening more and more often that, like, the league's best players, like, kind of want to stay in the international leagues? Or is it still, you know, the, the allure of moving to the NBA is still, like, the understood pursuit of the league's best players? I think um, a lot of the good players want to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Milos is talking about it. We hear a lot of other players talking about it. And there's there are a lot of... Um, second and third string players who are now going to make over a million dollars next season because the NBA has taken the best centers and the best point guards and the best wingmen. You know, Malcolm Delaney was an all first team last year. He's, he's like second or third string in Atlanta right now. That's where he wants to be. He's fine with that role. And he was the all first team Euro League, went to the final four last year. So now if if the NBA takes Milos, then guys like Thomas Hortel 
or Stefan Markovic or Stefan Jovic, who, who haven't really won anything in Europe and haven't really taken their teams to the playoffs and final fours, now they're going to have to step up. They're going to be the first top-tier point guard. Mm. And, you know, it's by default because there's nobody else out there. The only guy who has – there are only two players who have rebuffed the NBA by choice are uh, Juan Carlos Navarro from Barcelona who went to Memphis one year just to say, you know, I'm going to do this and show that I can play. He's done it, went back to Barcelona, and he's, you know, the king of, of mm. Catalans. And then there's Sergio Yui who plays for Real Madrid, and the Rockets own his rights. And he's publicly said like he has no interest in playing to the, in the NBA. Yeah. He's a god in Madrid. He's second to Cristiano Ronaldo on the football team uh, in fame. And and for what? To go play backup or sidekick to James Harden? So, so you brought up how Milos may not go to the Nets, which may break everyone's hearts here in Brooklyn. Um, so what is he looking for? You're saying it's winning? Uh is sort of the thing that he's looking for. What's his number one thing that he would, the team that he wants to go to in the NBA, what is the number one thing for Milos that he would want? And do you think the interest is that high that he basically could choose where he wants to go? That it's not like the Nets give him the most money, so he'll just go there. Um, good question. Here's, here's a theory that I have. Um, you know, people have been asking me, why has Cheska Moscow been so, um, accommodating, um, willing, you know, to bring back the Nets two or three times, you know, to watch him and scout him and possibly interview him. I don't know. Um, you know, what's what's the angle there? Because why wouldn't they want to bring back the best point guard in the NBA? Why are they showcasing him off to NBA teams? Um, the, the answer is because I don't think they want him back and I doubt they'll mm. bring him back. That's why they're so, you know, open about it um, with, wow. you know, teams coming in and Sean Marks and, and then bringing Kenny back. Um, what is Milos looking for? He's looking for a winning team. He doesn't want to lose. He doesn't take losing very well. I know that from the inside of the locker room. Um, I think familiarity is something that's very, very important to him. And the Denver Nuggets have that. And um, is it Jovic is the big man? Yeah. Jokic is the big man, right? Nikola Jokic? Yeah. And, and you know, they're really, they're really tight. They're really close. That's something that's been out there. That's something that I can see uh, him helping them lure um, Milos over there. Uh, I don't know if Gallinari is going back. Definitely another upside. Um, that's something that I could think could play a lot in the cards of, that he'll be dealing at the end of this season. Um, Minnesota Timberwolves as well. You know, they had Pekovic. I'm absolutely positive that they talk if that happens. Um the Spurs, I know from the Spurs that, you know, it's just not going to happen. They're not really looking at him like people may assume they are. And the Brooklyn Nets, I just don't think Milos has time at 30 to start help an organization rebuild. And and rebuild in what position? The Nets are going to give a rookie their their starting role to a team that's trying to, you know, change the, the culture of the organization? No. So they're giving the backup role. So he'll play backup on a losing team that's trying to reinvent the culture. There's a, there's a lot of question marks that I don't think that Milos is going to go for going to Brooklyn. Mm. Um, so another thing that I want to sort of ask about with Milos and just the Nets in general. So we, we you, you talked about the fact that his team has basically sort of let Brooklyn come in and say, hey, we're scouting him. Um, Trajan right. Langdon's overseas, I think, pretty much all the time right now yeah yeah, um, yeah in terms of just across the board in the nba what how large of a presence do the nets have compared to other nba teams at being at these games and scouting these players um in terms of milos they probably have the most i can you know they see him more than anybody um i'd know if other teams have been to moscow and probably some of them have but not as much as the nets have and because the Russian brass is in Moscow, then they even watch the VTB League games. Like all these NBA GMs, they go to the EuroLeague games. They want to see him against top competition. But, you know, the Nets have those people who are there all the time. Um, and in terms of other international scouting, I don't think the Nets are doing something that other teams aren't. You know, when they were in Bamberg, there were like seven other teams there. When they were in the French the French Cup in Nanterre the other week ago, they sent the scout there. Um there were like six teams there. And also when Trajan was in Grand Canaria, scouting a Latvian, a Latvian big man. There, were, there was R.C. Buford there at the same game. 
Um, so that's good. That's a good thing. That means Nets have their eyes on good players and Barcy's <laughs> out there as well. Um, mm. and, tra- and and they have that culture because Shaw Marks is from uh, San Antonio. He was with the Spurs. Um, but I wouldn't say they have an edge over other teams in terms of how many or what they're scouting. So with this semi heartbreaking news that the Teodesic thing is less <laughs> less realistic than than we initially thought. No, um, this is great though. It's great to find this. He goes out. to the NBA. You'll see him in Brooklyn. He'll just play yeah. against the Nets. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and if he does sign with the Nets, then then you know I'm retiring for yeah. sure because <laughs> I probably don't know much of anything. Um. But yeah. So just to like dig into some of the other um prospects that that some names that are being thrown around, but. Before we do that, like you probably hear this often, but uh, if if you had to say what the single most like or some of the most translatable skills regarding international players uh, transplanting into the NBA is the is the passing versus speed of the game cliche still like mostly tr- like true or or is is there is it just basically the same way that basketball works everywhere, which is that there are some players with some skills that work in the NBA and some that don't in Europe that run. And shoot like NBA teams do. No mm. team has shot 22 threes like Houston buried uh, San Antonio. No one plays at the Russell Westbrook or John Wall pace in Europe. Right. Um, and, right. and I think with a lot of the, the, the fast guys, um, the high-level guys who have left Europe recently over the years, and with Bogdan Bogdanovic probably doing the same um, in the coming season, um, you know, I see a lot of less up-and-down tempo, um, everything in Europe is more defense oriented, uh, more aggression. Uh, I, you know, I think all those comparisons are like kind of um, draining. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're chewed way too often. Yeah. Um, but there are players whose games can translate to the NBA. You're right. And mm-hmm. I think Milos is one of those guys who is going to do great on the offensive end because he has range. He can play the pick and roll, shoot and pass. But then on the defensive end, is going to be a nightmare. You're you're going to have to find defensive schemes where you literally have to hide this guy. Right. Um, so and then there's that. You know, there's a guy like Tyler Honeycutt who played. You know, he's drafted by the Kings and then tried to play in Houston and you know made his way over overseas to to Europe before he played a little in the D League. And now you know he won the Euro Cup in Russia. And now he's playing Game Five tonight, elimination in Greece against Olympiakos. If he wins, he's going to the Final Four. And he's a starter, and he's one of the best wingmen outside the NBA. Now, this guy was playing D-League minutes. He can uh, play in the NBA. He can play above the ring. He can shoot. He's, I was, he's extremely <laughs> I was just watching the clips of him, and I it like Jamario Moon was the name that came came to mind. for. I don't know. Something about their nice. game seemed to be nice. <laughs> nice. Does that feel accurate nice. at all? Yes, I like it. Um, sure. I think Tyler is more skilled than Jamario. Sure. Uh, Ooh, I think, hot know, take. I think, I think yeah, he has more... Uh, all-around game than Jamario does. But but in terms of athleticism, you know, he's really right up there. He just won the Turkish All-Star Dunk Contest. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I like the comparison, actually. <laughs> um, speaking of comparisons, uh, so I was just looking through these, these various players. Um, so a bunch of them, like, jumped out at me. Nicola Melli, uh, I, I, you know, when watching as much footage as I can, his stats are pretty unattractive I've, is I've yeah. <laughs> so how do yep. we, so I, I just like, there's some dissonance there. It's like, this is a sort of like hotly scouted player <clears throat> who on right. in video looks amazing. Doesn't seem to be playing that many minutes, not generating that, that many points or, you know, stats of any kind. So like, what does, is it true? Like, like why, why is that? Why, why aren't his stats reflecting what he's maybe capable of? Uh, well, Bamberg uh, run a very unorthodox system, and they have something that's worked out very well between an Italian GM and an Italian coach. Mm-hmm. Um, their GM uh, worked with the with the Pistons as a scout a few years ago, and um, they're just building something different. You notice they only have one American on that roster compared to other teams where they have multiple Americans because they're trying to do something different. They're trying to play more team-oriented ball, high IQ basketball, um, you know, less run and gun, more execution, more make the right plays, make the extra pass. And, you know, they lost to all the big teams in Europe. They beat a lot of them, and they lost to a lot of them 
on a final execution play where they would miss a shot. Like they had the ball in their hands and, and they're just making huge steps in terms of being that smart organization with a great system. And a lot of agents and teams are sending players there to develop. So mm-hmm. Melly's minutes, you know, are, look at what he's doing. He's not playing big minutes. He's not posting huge numbers. And you have every single NBA team out there watching him. Right. Why? Because that's what he's supposed to do in that system. And the NBA teams know he can do better in their system. He's mm. extremely intelligent. Um, he's devoted to his team like no other player. The Nets are among a handful of NBA teams who wanted to interview him, sit down with him, talk to him after a practice. He declined. He said, you know, I appreciate the interest. I'm not sitting with anybody until the season's over. Mm. That's how respectful he is the organization. He can shoot. He's a stretch four. That's a rarity in the NBA. Um, he, he can put it on the floor. He can play the pick and roll. Uh, he, he just has that set of skills where he keeps NBA GMs drooling. They keep mm-hmm. going back. And so, you know, that, that's for Melly. He, you're right. He isn't flashy and he isn't sexy and he probably won't be the biggest name that goes to Brooklyn. And the Nets fans are probably like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and that is another thing that I sort of wanted to get to dig down on is the fact that, like, <laughs> when we look at the tra- Chad Ford draft board or any draft express and you look at the stats of these European players, they're all 18 years old and they all score two points a game. Um, why don't these guys play more? Is there is it just the system in Europe that young guys aren't going to get that much run and that they're just going to be on the bench? And there used to be a belief that um, Euro- t- European teams would hide, basically try to hide prospects. And they wouldn't right. let them play that much. Why don't these right. really good young prospects play more? Yeah, that's not happening today. They're, they're, <laughs> they're not hiding anybody. Um, good insight, but they're not hiding anybody. Um, coaches today um, and, and owners and GMs, they just don't have enough patience um, to try and develop these prospects and give them significant minutes. Because if you lose one or two games, then, you know, you might not make the EuroLeague playoffs or you might drop in the standings of your league and make it harder for you in the long run. So a lot of these kids are developing in practices. All right. So so um, Sean Marks goes to Barcelona um, for this one game and then they call up Rodius Currens from their farm team affiliate in the second division just so he can play six or seven minutes in a blowout game. Mm. You know, that's how it is because he can't play in the first team. And they're terrible this year. They have stars, but Antetomic, Tyrese Rice, Petri Kopanen, and Navarro. They're terrible. And if you give this guy <laughs> significant minutes and you're selling him to an NBA team, if he goes to the draft, then you didn't do anything. Mm. Um, and that's why I think I think uh, Mao Dulo is a point guard who played uh, college ball. And he's in Bamberg now. He's playing significant minutes. All right. It's not like Maccabi Tel Aviv with Dragon Bender. When they sucked in the Euro League and then they dropped <laughs> out of the Euro Cup, they did everything to showcase Dragon. Everything possible is it's different. Why it's do they like do that, that though? Why why do they want basically their players showcased? Like they don't get a fee, right? It's not soccer where they get some sort of finder's no. fee. Uh, it's it's a it, with Dragon situations, you know, it's it's the average NBA buyout. You know, if it was a million and then the team chipped in and the player chipped in, so they got some money back. And then with that millions, they went and bought somebody else. So sometimes teams make those kind of calculations. But, you know, if if you're good, then you're going to play. And the interesting is, the thing is that, um, you know, the Nets were scouting um, in France not long ago. And there's a guy there, Matthias Lessort. All right. He's power forward, 6'9", 21. Um, he's playing significantly. And he's... He can be, I think, on Chad Forbes, he's a late second rounder. Mm. So, look, they're going to scout these guys who aren't even first rounders. All right. The level of talent has dropped because if these yeah. guys were superstars, they would be playing. Yeah. I watched some Metis Lazort clips. He's, he's, he's like, is, is Ben Wallace a fair comparison or is that uh, doing a disservice to his offensive skills? Who, who, what name? What name? Ben Wallace. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 no it's just totally, totally yeah. different. Much more developed offensively. Yeah, but, then. yeah, but how you could compare one of the best NBA defensive players in history to a second round pick out of France? That's pretty. <laughs> well, that's I mean, he was un, he was You're undrafted. Stretching. I'm saying, I'm saying at his, <laughs> at his time, you know, at 21, Ben Wallace. That's what I'm saying. 
I gave you Jamario Moon. Don't push fine. your luck. Fine, fine. Fair I enough. love Jamario um, Moon. No, that's cool. So the the other. So I was just like going around looking at the highlights. If if Melly is your your system right. player, then is so uh, in terms of the, like plug and play. More of a gunner is is Edwin Jackson, sort of like the guy that's on this list that is can be leaned on to as a, as a microwave player. Or is that a total misunderstanding of, of his game as well? Microwave player as a stash kind of guy. Yeah, who you're no, gonna like basically like I, I just watched him make like a lot of the most difficult shots out of any of right. the players that we watched. <laughs> and is that said. is that a translatable skill that you can see him doing in the NBA? Absolutely, he's yeah. a maker of tough shots. Um, he's played on some very good teams. He's played at the highest level uh, in Barcelona and Malaga, and now he's in Estudiantes. He played for the French national team with all the big names that you can think of. Um, and he's the number one scorer in Spain, which is widely recognized as the toughest and best competition in Europe. Mm. So if he's making those shots against good defenses and, and structured teams and smart coaches and and really skilled players and he's going to make those shots in the NBA. He wants to go to the NBA. I know teams that traveled there and they, they watched him and they spoke it to him and uh, he's had I think 220 plus games while the Nets were there watching him. He's instant offense. There's nothing yeah. about it else. That, that's what he does. He's instant offense. He can do that in the NBA. Not a question in my mind about yeah. it. A name that you should also think of is Andres Pasekniks. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask about him. But that's on my list. Yeah. There you go. He's 7'2, 21, uh, Latvian. He went to Gran Canaria because he saw how they developed Eddie Tavares. Mm-hmm. Um, and he liked what they did with him. And, you know, he's just like a late bloomer compared to Porzingis. Yeah. But, you know, growing up, they were really the same thing. Um, yeah. A lot of people were projecting them, you know, to kind of grow up together. And, but Porzingis blew up quicker. And now there's this game that, that Trajan was at uh, the other week. And this kid had 24 and 7 in 21 minutes. He shot 11 of 13 from the field. He was dunking over people. He right. was spreading out and shooting threes. He was, he was, uh, he gave a ball handoff, curl. He faked pick and rolls and ran back for the alley oop. I mean, he's so smart. And you see a lot of shades of Porzingis in him, obviously, because they're good friends. They talk a lot, they mm-hmm. play for the same national team. So, I mean, he's climbing. He's climbing a lot. I think he was projected early second. He's probably mm-hmm. climbing. He's, he's first round now. Not a doubt in my mind. The Nets have what? Picks 22 and 24. I like yeah, to see well. TJ Leaf get one of those. You know, he's Israeli. That's my guy. But, <laughs> you know, but, but Andres can get one of those picks too. And, and, yeah. and you mentioned, uh, I never noticed it. Because here's the thing. R.C. Buford is not going to that game to see Edwin Jackson. With all due respect to Edwin <laughs> He's going to see a prospect who you're going to stash somewhere, bring him back when everybody's sleeping, and all of a sudden, <laughs> 20 down the road, this guy is a two six time All Star, something like that. That's and, the Spurs call. And you mentioned what? I, how do you say his name? Rodion's Kurich, Kurix from uh, that you said that they they brought up with uh, was it FC Barcelona? Barcelona, yeah. yeah. Rodion's Kurich, Barcelona. So what type and, of game is? Uh, what's his game like? Because you you see you see again. The Euro stats, it's like there's nothing. And that he's in the B division, and you're like, oh, well, exactly. I don't know about that. Yeah, and that's also why it's hard for you to judge uh, those kind of stats, you know, because that level isn't really high level. Um, Mario Hezonia was playing also for their foreign team, and he got a lot more minutes in the Euro League. You know, he was winning games in the Euro League, um, Hezonia, before he went to Orlando. I can't really pinpoint and tell you what kind of player. Um, this Rodius is because I haven't seen a lot of him because, you know, with all due respect, I'm not watching a lot of Spain LEB gold games. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but you know, obviously it, it, the Nets see something in him, you know, he's six, nine, he's a wingman. He's only 19 years old. I mean, other guys we're talking about here are 21. Okay. Let's start 21. Pachet six, 21. Um, this kid's 20, this kid's 19. So they're two years. They have an advantage of him. Yeah. Um, a, another name that I had not seen, um, but like fell in love with is uh, Facundo Campazzo. Is is this a person uh-huh. who's is actually <laughs> is actually going to be good or is it just amazingly fun to watch? Um, He's a, he is amazingly fun to watch. The Argentinian yeah. Tasmanian devil. Yep. Yeah, he is uh, extremely so, fun. Unpredictable. But, 
yeah, is that is that a, a, is that something that can translate to the NBA though? I mean, and in general, has he had success with that version of the game right now? Yes, he has because he's playing um, on a small market team. Yeah, he's making only three hundred thousand dollars. His team's paying two hundred. Real Madrid's paying a hundred thousand to complete a salary because he's on loan over there. Um, they might bring him back next year, though. He doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to be in the shadows of Sergio Yule. And most likely, Luka Doncic is going back there, too. This kid's 17. He's supposed to be a top three lottery pick in 2018. So he doesn't want to kind of fall between the cracks over there. Um, I think the best comparison to, um, for him is Raul Neto in Utah. Uh, I didn't give Neto much of an edge or a chance to play in the NBA. I thought he wasn't ready, uh, given his team in Spain didn't even make the playoffs. He wasn't shooting well, probably 25% beyond the arc at the time. And I think Picasso's doing things, Compasso's doing things better than he is. And there's definitely room for him uh, in the NBA if you see Neto. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of Pat Beverly, but, you know, he's not tenacious right. as Pat is. He's not as good a defender, but there, but there are similarities there. They're both, you know, all in your grill small yeah. pests kind of players right. uh and that's compasso and he's extremely exciting to watch yeah he's um, adventurous he'll give you that behind the back between the legs pass things you he he mocks players in games yeah yeah i was watching that in the highlights he, he literally like does the like like street ball go around the person's back um yeah he's amazing um so penultimate question the the big finale at the big hyperbolic one that um you probably don't want to answer but so who are the Nets gonna get who are the Nets gonna get at the end of all this is is there one name that seems to be rising above the others in any meaningful way or is it uh, a pretty wide pool at this point? Uh, that's a good question. When I read the Nets Daily article, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, I love that handle. Great plug, um, by no, the way. Credit credit where it's due. Yeah. Um, there was there there was a paragraph in there. So who do the Nets like? Hard to tell. Who are the Nets gonna get? No one knows. Who yeah. are the Nets gonna sign? How do we know? Like that that was on point because mm-hmm. no one knows. But um um if I had to name my top three uh, contenders that the Nets can get, or I will put everything into get, one would be um, Pasechniks mm-hmm. because they sent Trajan there. And Trajan played in Europe. For a very long time, and Trajan is uh, extremely involved in the scouting. And if they send him there, then Trajan, we like this kid. We want to see what you know what you think about him. There has to be something um, in FS in Turkey because mm-hmm. Trajan went to that game, and Sean Marks went to the game of the same team. Mm-hmm. The team has Tyler Honeycutt and Thomas Swartel. Uh, Thomas is a free agent, French point guard. Uh, Tyler has an option for a million dollars next year. Um, I don't see them taking Derek Brown. You know, he's he he's been in the NBA. He's done that. He's making two point eight million. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's pretty set. Um, so Pasechniks, uh, someone from Turkey, from that team, because they've seen him twice, and they're gonna go all in on Milos because a coach doesn't fly out. To see a mm-hmm. game of somebody that he they're not interested in, yeah, uh, unless they're in, very interested in you, and you know, it, with the drafts, it can be anybody. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, Daniel Thais is someone we didn't really talk about. Yeah. Okay, he plays with Melly and Bamberg. He's German. Chris Fleming, head coach of the German national team. Yeah, addition to a few teams last summer, Washington, Miami, uh, Philadelphia, 6'8", power forward, plays above the rim, um, high energy. Mm. Uh, it's just something that they like in Brooklyn. You know, they're all about energy and athleticism. Mm-hmm. You know, there's energy in that building. You know, that barbecue <laughs> center is unbelievable. So you say. So you say. Yeah. And I've just been there. Once in the game, and one more time, I just got a tour of the place. So, I mean, there's energy in there. No, it's true. They just, just got to bring it because they're flat way too often. Yeah. Well, David, thank you for joining that, joining us. Um, David, you, you on Twitter is at IMDPick. I think that's right. Correct. Um, a must follow. IMD. A must follow, if, uh, especially with the Nets this year, with international <laughs> prospects that they seem they're probably all three picks could possibly be international prospects. So, 
David's a must follow. Uh, again, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks, man. So early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. All right. Thank you. All right. Take Thanks, care. Man. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, Brian, you want to do news around the league? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go right into it. What do you got, buddy? It's the news. All right, go, go. Um, so we had two playoff games last night, two interesting playoff games. I, I think the biggest one, obviously, is Rockets Spurs. Uh, I, I didn't tear, watch too much of it because we had to get up for this interview with the international <laughs> basketball reporter. Yeah, that's that's why, huh? But I don't think it really matters. Yeah, well, and also because I was watching E Red Carpet, uh, the Met Ball, Met Busted. Gala. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to <laughs> blow up your spot, but I knew what you were up to. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I love a good red carpet. Doesn't matter what it's for. I would watch red carpets pretty much every week, I think. Really? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, this one was super interesting because if you don't know, the Met, <laughs> the Met Ball is uh, is the pinnacle of fashion. There oh, my is, Lord. Yeah, yeah. And I don't care about fashion, but like – where? Wait, I have not known this this dimension to your personality that, that A, that you <laughs> that you care about fashion at all is – I don't. Is I don't. Blowing I, my mind. Okay. I like seeing – Beautiful people. I like it. You know, I like being oh. around. Be- that's why we're friends, oh. Brian. I like seeing beautiful people. That's you know? kind of you, you little creepy little voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Olsen twins were there last night, though, which I think is important. Um, and they look that like is- they look they're evolving into uh, people that seem like they like elves who've come out of wood trees. Uh, yeah. That kind of seems what they look yeah. like these days. Like, like Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Orlando Bloom has, has shifted now back to being looking like a human. Uh, yeah. but they seriously look like they were carved, the Olsen twins carved out of wood and not carved well. Um, oh, not, not well carved wood. Anyways, wow. uh, so, so the headline sort of last night was the Rockets 126.99 over the Spurs. I think they shot something like 53s in the game against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the recipe. So, I'm already discounting the Spurs series. This is the recipe if you're going to beat the Warriors that you need to have. You need to shoot 53s and make 45% of them, which they did. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It's not like game one is like overreaction central. Everyone's going to go crazy mm. over game one. Dude, hard to. I mean, like that That was a whooping of, uh, of I guess, record-breaking merit. You know, that was a, that was a real whooping. And it was a whooping from start to finish, and it was a, yeah. and it was like, if they're going to shoot fifty threes, how do you stop them from from shooting fifty threes? It's like if yeah. they're just going to do that and make them all, then there's no way to defend it really properly. I'm sure the next game will be like ninety two to eighty seven somehow. I kind of like that they are saving some of their final form for uh, in, in like classic anime parlance they they haven't revealed their final form yet and now they're doing it in, in the playoffs which is like you thought we shot a lot of threes you didn't even know you didn't even know the half of it we shoot an insane amount of threes it's beautiful and and it's gonna it's <laughs> gonna even go up like i mean they're gonna break records if they beat the spurs they're when they play the warriors there's gonna be a game they're down by let's say 15 <laughs> in the third quarter and then it's just gonna be threes every possession is gonna be a three is that fun yeah. basketball brian <clears throat> um, it's more fun than than, than uh, free throw contest. <laughs> than, yeah, than the free throw Dwight Howard experiment. Oh my god! Um, yeah, so I'll I'll take that. I mean, honestly, I I like that. Um, I I mean, as much as I hate James Harden, I do like the Rockets in general because I like that they're hyper specialized. They they make no bones about having a a system that they have a strategy that they're going all in on. You know, I like that kind of stuff. I like, I like over specialization, you know, it's, it's fun. They, they, the team overall seems oddly underpraised. I know that like James Harden was the uh, stats community MVP pick and that people, uh, you know, are saying they're the one team that could beat the warriors in the Western conference. But like, I don't feel like we fully have appreciated exactly what D'Antoni has done to this team to completely alter the disgusting mess that they were last year to make them now like just like the most stat evolved what we need to do is only under the basket or three three point shooting yeah it's it's i mean amazing the trade the trade for Lou Williams just showed how big their huevos were in going all <laughs> in on this strategy i mean they're like let's just add another 
smaller version of Eric Gordon if we can. And I, yeah. I love that, like, the conventional basketball thing was like, oh, they need to add another center, like another right. big man. And I think they wanted Bogut. I think that they were in the running for that. So even that they wanted it. But then they're like, nah, screw it. We're just going to get yeah. <laughs> the exact same. We're going to get James Harden, but like five yeah. evolutionary steps backwards, which is Lou Williams. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Dwight Howard, real quick, I, I sort of wanted to get this in because I'm a Wizards fan. I just watched the Wizards Hawks series. And, mm-hmm. you know, whenever teams lose, then they have the exit interviews and blah, blah, blah. And coming out of Atlanta is that this is from the Atlanta Journal Constitution is that Dwight is angry he expressed anger after his exit interview about his deteriorating role with the hawks uh in that series against the wizards he played barely at all in the fourth quarter uh he was a complete non-factor the hawks were better without him and then uh howard told reporters it was very difficult i want to play i want to be out on the floor i want to make a difference i want to make an impact and i can't do that on the bench okay yeah so brian i think i know the gut reaction for most people is like oh here is dwight complaining again here's dwight screwing up oh you got a hot ticket sounds like this is what i'm going to say the signing of dwight howard never made sense right right okay especially because for what the hawks were and i understand there should be some push for dwight on internal pressure on him to say hey maybe i need to evolve my game a little bit but to be honest dwight is who he is and they signed him and hyped him up as the hometown boy coming home uh, making it, he's going to make a big impact. He's going to replace Al Horford, and it's not really on him to change his game all that much. If they signed him, they brought him in knowing he's going to be who he's going to be. It's like yeah. having um, Willem Dafoe in your movie and expecting him to be just like a straight man and not a total freak, basically. You know, sure. D- Dwight sure, Howard yeah. is the Willem Dafoe of basketball. You know, he is yeah. who he is. He's a very specific actor, a very specific specific yeah. player. And why would you ever sign him if he's just like, if if then you're not going to even use him? It, it's just I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of a team that actually would benefit from having Dwight Howard on the team at this point. Like I and I can't yeah. really think of one. That's the difficult. I so the, and that's the thing. It's like, well, like, and this would never really work. But like Boston, I know that they mm. they play the opposite, but they could use. That's actually kind of a good a Dwight answer. a Dwight guy. It's uh, also that they're not like he he does very bad uh, poorly with um like an obvious other like star counterpart or whatever and with a like I mean Isaiah Thomas is clearly like the star in that in that show but um for whatever reason I think like like it's it's seen as a sort of um egalitarian team I don't know I think it's because of Isaiah Thomas's like slow slow rise to prominence that like they I think everyone or maybe not maybe I'm just incredibly wrong and everyone just thinks it's Isaiah Thomas versus the world is that is that how people what? perceive them what? the the Boston Celtics I'm trying to make a a point that uh Dwight Howard like just generally is is a jealous person and beefs with like a an obvious like star counterpoint but I don't see that happening with Isaiah Thomas for some well, reason and I don't see what happened with Isaiah because while this may not be like the perfect case but isaiah is like a ball dominant guard but yet he will work in a pick and roll with a big guy so like dwight if dwight and isaiah were together isaiah would get dwight the ball in pick and rolls where he just dunks the ball where in the hawks the hawks like schroeder's ball dominant but like it's not he's not really they're not doing the whole regular pick and roll thing they're trying to shoot threes the whole time so are the celtics but i just think isaiah dwight would work out well they need a rebounder. I just think it's funny that I, w- I would love to bash Dwight Howard and, like, you're a baby. You should evolve. But I also believe, like, he was brought in to do a certain thing, and then they were like, nah, actually don't do it. And we're going to yeah. embarrass you and just put you on the bench. I oh, think so in this case – You're giving them a little bit of uh, I, I, uh It never made sense. It never made sense to sign Dwight Howard. It just never sure. did. It was, it was ridiculous. At what, at what point is this going to cost him some money, though? I feel like he's still getting – Big contracts. Yeah, I think he got. I think he's got two more years on his deal at twenty million a year or something crazy. Like, there's not. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. Um, another big basketball thing happened on the over the weekend, and that is the big three draft, Brian. Yeah, I know, dude. I cannot. Rashad McCants went first overall. This <laughs> this league is going to be unbelievable. All right, so that's so that's sort of the question. All right, so McCants went number three overall. Reggie Evans went third overall. Um, Wait, no, McCants went first overall. I thought. Oh, what did I say? Oh, you said third, but and then you oh, no. said Reggie. Okay, yeah, 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 Reggie Evans went third overall, and then two big players that didn't get drafted that I wish did: Kenny Anderson, 
Oh, uh-huh. did not get drafted. And Steve Francis, which yeah. if you've seen Steve Francis lately, you kind of understand why. Yeah, he didn't get drafted. Have. Um, there's no way. There's no way he can play a game of basketball. Honestly, like I, yeah, there's just no way. So um, if who, who won this? Who, who won this draft, Mike? Is it the Killer Threes? Uh, um, Kenyon Martin's team gets uh, a plus grade in drafting in my book. Wait, who who was uh was his team? Uh, I don't even know. I think he I think he drafted Rashad McCants. I think that's his team. Trilogy. Trilogy, right? That's his team. To be honest, at, I don't I know. Who I'm googling it. Yo, I, you know when you has, Google trilogy, his team does not come up first. That's a shocker, right? The the team that immediately pops out to me is Killer Threes with Reggie Evans, Larry Hughes, and, and Brian Cook. I think you're in good shape there. But you know whose name really popped off for me was Mike James. I totally forgot about Mike James. You remember uh, Mike James? No, I, I'm sorry. I'm looking up. I'm looking at trilogy. Yeah, trilogy is Kenyon's team. Al Harrington's his co-captain. McCants, James White, love that, and Deion Glover. It's just Dunker's extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, okay, so the funny thing about this is that, like, everyone's making a big deal that Iverson's a part of it, right? That Iverson's going to be the star, and we're going to get to see Iverson play basketball again. He didn't mm. even show up to the draft, despite yeah. being the coach <laughs> captain and star of his own team. Um, and yeah. it's like, and I saw, like, Michael Rappaport's doing, like, sideline for them, and he was there. Um, it's just going to be, I don't know what to expect, Brian. Like, what's your what's your gut reaction on what the basketball that we're going to see is? Um, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I just hope I just hope they mic up everybody in sight. Like, I just I just hope that there's like they go all in on on the like on the trash talk mic micing players up. That's that's honestly what I what I'm going to watch for. I mean, it basically has to be the WWE or WW yeah WWE. It has to be. Yeah. Like yeah. as real, yeah. not as real, but as like showman-y style as it can. Yeah, get. exactly. Like they have to have like personal, yeah, get into beefs and and stuff. It's I would, yeah, I would love a running reality show in the form of like The Hills back in the day. Um, wow. Where, oh my God, Mike. Where? Why are you not in the biz? What is dude, going on? I'm here? telling you. And there should be a group of a group of women who are also like bringing the basketball wives. That's why Kendi Anderson should have been a part of this. Bringing the basketball wives. They should be just as much stars as the players on this team. Like, give me, give me some drama. Give me a, a, a thread line of plot from which I can then enjoy the basketball games. Cause I think that's the way this thing takes off is that I get personally involved in the outcome of these games more than just the score, but who I'm rooting for. Heroes and villains, heels and heroes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's baby faces, actually. Heels and baby faces. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited that the big three drafts like right or the big three start of the seasons right after the NBA draft. So, you know, I think I think you and I, we're going to dig into this. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Oh, we're going to dig in um, a couple quick things. OK, uh, <laughs> so this story out of Florida, not shocking out of Florida. A woman in Florida has been charged with prostitution after agreeing to perform a sex act on an undercover detective for twenty five dollars and some chicken nuggets. OK, <laughs> Mike. So question for you, Brian. First off, yeah. why are police in Florida sending out officers in a sting operation to catch a McNugget prostitute? Why is that? Is Man, that what happens? Is that- these are big. These are big questions. And honestly, you know, I, I attribute it to um, the just gradual decline of uh, human society. Uh, you know, is yeah. that <laughs> good take? <laughs> is that, That's is positive. That, um, is That's an uplifting take. <laughs> Um, second question for you: What yeah. fast food item is so good that oh, you would exchange Lord. sex with an undesirable stranger for? Uh, I had a cheesy gordita crunch from Taco Ooh, Bell like two days yes. ago, That's and it rocked my world. In which way? I don't. They have some kind of sauce on this. I don't even know. I could not tell you one ingredient in the sauce. And it shocked me with how delicious it was. It was it's probably just pure chemicals, but um, but holy holy, I mean it was it was delicious. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a cheesy gordita crunch, Mike, but they're pretty good. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a it's been about I think about four years since I've had taco. I, I mean, I can also dig in some Chick Fil A and stuff. I don't know. What what about you? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's a lame answer, but the Chick Fil A spicy chicken sandwich, just yeah. that's that's. That's it. That's my heaven. That's my I last like, meal. You know, they, they get it really right over there with just pickles. Like no, they don't do the stupid lettuce tomato, that sad grade tomato that, that everyone's putting on their chicken sandwiches. Doesn't belong. It's just pickles. Just put the pickles on there. Just a just one that one little pickle 
The bread's yeah. not even that good, but there's something about the bread that mixes with the spice. It's like it's almost mm-hmm. like, all right, we're not going to give you that good of bread because we want you to have that pure chicken, spicy chicken flavor. Um, yeah. It's just phenomenal and amazing, and I love good it. Stuff. Good stuff. Um, the second fast food item, and also at McDonald's, did you hear about the fork, Brian? The fork? No. Fork. F-R-O-R-K. Did you hear about no. this? Came no, out I yesterday. Didn't. We're recording this on a Tuesday. McDonald's is uh, has developed a French fry-centric utensil called the fork, which is um, looks like a fork, but instead of the prongs being you know metal or plastic, they are French fries. Really? So, so it's a it's it's part of their. So they've developed a new line of burgers, a signature burgers. You can get a guacamole burger at McDonald's now, which I don't know about, but the Jeez. the part of that they're selling with them a fork. So it's a plastic handle with with like three little holder slots in them that you stick in french fries and the, in the french fries then you can dip it in to whatever so it's a a fork what is i don't your- like any of that that sounds yeah that that sounds i mean obviously everyone's hating that right everyone thinks that that's terrible i think everyone thinks it's terrible but mcdonald's uh-huh. wins again marketing 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 because we're talking <laughs> about it on the pod because because here they are here they are in our head well it just doesn't have yeah. much practical use right i mean there's like, nothing you can't pierce anything with uh fried potatoes that's that's not happening what are they trying to get you to do with it i think what the idea is that like you you can like stick it it's like a new way to eat fries so you don't get your hands dirty but your hands are going to be sticking the fries into the utensil anyways what the hell it's unclear i don't know i just wonder who in like the mcdonald's boardroom is bringing up He's probably been sitting on the idea. He or she has been sitting on this idea for 15 years. And it's like, <laughs> when are we going to bust this out? When am I going to bring it out of my briefcase? The fork. When is that? Could you happen? imagine how nervous you would be if you were about to present <laughs> and your idea to a bunch of like super wealthy decision makers at your company and you pull out a, a, a PDF of a fork? God. Guys, get ready. They, I would have a massive panic attack five minutes before. <laughs> I'm going to lose my job over this idea. But how desperate that person has to be. The, 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 the person's on the edge of desperation here, right? They really are. They're, they really they're are. Sitting, I don't know if you've ever seen Michael Clayton, but there's this scene when um, – what's her name? What's the weird woman's name? Tilda Swinton. She's in the bathroom. She's sweating, just pure sweat because she has like a wire on her or something. I forget what it is. But she's just mm-hmm. purely just sweating through her blouse. <laughs> Looks like she's about to ha- pass out from a heart attack. That's what this guy or girl is doing inside the McDonald's boardroom. Just like, yeah. okay, this is my wife. He, he kissed his wife or kissed whatever, their, their significant other on the lips right before and said, yeah. this may be my last day at yeah. my work. Or it could be our future and we're <laughs> or, living in the Grand Cayman. be catapulted to Frork prominence. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, wild bad idea. But wild. You, can, you can get your fork. A uh, hundred thousand of them will be given away. When the Jeez. new burgers are selling May 5th, um, this podcast is not sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> um, one last thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, quadruplets from Cincinnati have all uh, chosen to go to Yale together uh, for oh, school. I saw this. Yeah. What's your thought about that? Um, are, you, are you pro? Uh, so we have the Lopez twins, all both going to Stanford. Are you pro all four? going to Yale and do you think one did not want to go to Yale and that they just were like right, we we have to do it because we have to get on the today show what's your feeling uh, is the is the the conversation here about whether they're doing themselves a disservice by like not meeting new people is that the that's yeah. the big I think <laughs> I think that makes them less successful doesn't it make if so I don't know about you so you, you grew up in New Jersey and you went to Syracuse you could have gone yeah. to Rutgers right which sure. is a great school but I think I I feel like I feel like if you – you're continuing on in this group. You were born within a group and you've yet to evolve out of that group. So what? Are they all going to then take the same classes, all live in the same dorm and never meet anyone else? I think that is stunting growth, Brian. You know, I I um, I don't really care. But I will say <laughs> – <laughs> I will say – I, I like a like a real uh, intimate family, like a little like mafia stuff. Like, I, you know, I, I wish I had three brothers and, you know, like were just like totally satis- self-satisfied and like didn't have to make new friends. Like with, with three brothers 
and you probably have some like childhood friends and stuff. You don't really need that many new people in college. Like I only have like you and a couple other people that I met in college. Oh, I still talk Brian. to. That's so yeah. sad. That's so sad. Why? I, I don't know, Mike. You went a little bit too into the college experience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. We were both to... in fraternities. We yeah. both had yeah. I just you. I'm you just kinda, a friendlier you dedicated, person. <laughs> you dedicated a little bit more of yourself to the fraternity, though. I think I stopped paying dues after <laughs> the second year, and they kicked me out. I, I don't think the. I don't. I think the moment you got in as a pledge, you dededicated I, yourself. I really only liked being a pledge. I, I discovered like after after the the tables were switched, and I was supposed to do that to other people. I was like, this is terrible. This is not fun at all. I much I much prefer being the pledge. I don't. know, Maybe it's masochistic Where, or something. Well, whereas I became the pledge master and. Is that uh, true? Oh my god! Yeah, yes. Brian, you're a sick pup. Yeah, dude, it was weird. It was a weird time because, yeah. like, it, that that it, makes me feel weird about you. No, it it like I'm not even lying. It changes your mentality to be like to be the captor of people. Like you like become you're like whoa. This is like once I got out of it, I felt worse getting after being a pledge master than I did being a pledge. Like I'm not even you, lying. It's it's a it weird. really went it really went to your head, huh? Yeah. yeah. And then I and then I went to London. And then yeah. I got got it all cleared up, so it's fine. All right, all right Mike, I gotta go. I gotta go to work. Let's yep. let's yep. put let's tie a bow on this sucker. All right, so thank you for listening. Uh, we had David pick on again. You can listen to that interview previously if you're not have <laughs> already listened to it now. Uh, we thank David again for joining us at IMD Pick on Twitter. Follow him if you will. Uh, follow us at BK Glue Guys if you will. Uh, download us on iTunes or wherever else you get podcasts. Almighty Baller Network Dash Radio and that's daily. So uh, thank you for listening. Mike, you are unbelievable. Hey, thanks, everybody. Take care. (laughs) Thanks for listening.